Hi guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We really appreciate all of the support and staying alongside the audio to now visual component of Beans Without Boundaries. Uh, going forward with the second season, we do have like an, a little bit of increase of cost. So we set up a little donation thing through Buy Me A Coffee. It's a little website that if you're willing to just splurge, there's an option for being able to just buy me a coffee. It also gives me a good idea if you really are enjoying our content and would like to help support and continue it. The link will be in the description underneath the YouTube video. It's also going to be in the description for Apple Podcasts and um, Spotify Podcasts as well. Uh, Whichever platform uh, would be greatly appreciated to just continue following along the journey and whatever you're willing to just kind of help with feedback, whether it's comments on the videos or just going on social media. Um, And if you're feeling typically generous, it'd be great to just throw a coffee my way. Thanks for listening in and until next time. How are you? First off, girl, you seem like you got a lot going on. I'd be seeing your stories and I'm like, damn, she's busy. I'm trying to drink a cider to kind of just. <laughs> so what's nah, I mean, my life is just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. You've got a lot going on. All the time. All the time. It's, it's living life uh, at 100 all the fucking time. So we're just going to like essentially like have a conversation about all of these topics. No, no, no. I mean, like, have you have you interviewed other people already? Yeah, I mean, like, I interviewed Bailey. You're Yay! my second person. Yay! Wait, which Bailey? And Burke? Yeah. Nice. She was really nice. she was really cool to talk to about a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about. I love Bailey. I'm like, I know two Baileys, so I'm like, wait. <laughs> wait. Where are you from? Yeah. Where's your family from? So I'm Middle Eastern, but my family's from Iraq. So okay, mm-hmm. I grew up with a couple of people from Iraq. My my elementary school was such a mixed bag. I mean, you are like you grew up in the Bronx, right? So that makes sense. There's yeah, yo. Like so we huge... had like people from Cambodia, from Vietnam, from Guyana, from a lot of people also think I'm Dominican because sometimes when I'm around my friends, I sound extra Dominican. <laughs> They're not gonna understand my fucking vernacular if I speak to them the way I usually speak. Yeah, I have to like code switch in Spanish. Yeah, I could see that because Arabs do the same thing for sure. Really? Yeah, there's so many different I, like in Spanish. There's so many different dialects for Arabic. So it's yeah. like all of us oh, obviously interact that. very differently with each other in terms of. I guess setting. depending on the region, huh? Yeah. Oh, like Iraqi people have a a rep of being pretty aggressive and strong with their language. And like a lot of closer to the Shami, closer to like Syria and Lebanon and like all those different countries, they're a lot more softer in how they speak. It it shows in their actual dialect in itself, too. So Salvadorians, too, they they tend to speak a little slower. And the, the region where my mom is from, they speak like with a lisp a little. Oh, it's hilarious. That's cool, though. And they elongate their words a lot. And it's just like, oh, no, no. <laughs> it's so fucking hilarious. And that only that only pops up for me when I'm over there. It's so contagious. 
So I'm curious, like, what made you say yes to, like, wanting to be on the show, essentially? Because it's kind of still underground, and it's very much a very broad topic of many things. So for me, nurturing, like, the younger people I see in the coffee industry and uplifting their voices is always going to be one of my main priorities. And it's always been like that. Um, So I see you wanting to do something like this. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to want to support you in in doing this shit, too, especially if you think if you think that you're one of the voices that I want to that you want to highlight. Like, yeah, I think for a lot of the demographic that I want to hit, it has to do with people of color and a Mm -hmm. lot of the minorities like women and LGBTQ plus and all of that and Mm -hmm. being able to give people a platform to really like tell their stories, how they got to the point where they're at and feel comfortable voicing what could be controversial opinions. Because at the end of the day, we all experience different journeys within the coffee world, whether it's as front of the house with baristas or if it's closer towards the actual back house of like the production industry. So I'm always curious on other people's stories. And that's essentially why I created this podcast is for people to like interact and for Mm -hmm. us to kind of like highlight that, you're not alone in this journey that if you struggled and you've had these problems and then to also be like, well, this is what I kind of want to highlight to change or bring to awareness. So when I like was looking into you, I was like, damn, I fuck with her voice. Like I fuck with the <laughs> message you're, you're spreading. I think me and you have pretty similar backgrounds. Like I kind of did some digging. I was like, okay, cool. So let me get a good vibe of what this girl's at. And I, <laughs> and I was like, okay. We're digging. We're digging. Did you do? <laughs> I found all out? of your secrets. You're past your dirtiness. So uh, there's a, <laughs> you did like a short interview with Hey Barista a couple years ago. I and mm-hmm. I like was reading that and I was like, I really, really resonated with having a really strong women background growing up because. Beautiful. Yeah, like Arabic women are like the backbone of a lot of the Middle East that a lot of people don't talk about. And like being Mm. able to highlight that and resonate with that in the industry that we work in. I was like so excited to talk to you more about that. Okay. So, So like. How has that played out for you? Like obviously being a beautiful woman yourself and a beautiful Latina. I'm so curious on like how you've seen it throughout time on your end and like your life. Yeah, much like you said, like um a lot of the the women that I grew up with uh, were the matriarchs and were the next of the man's body. Um they're the ones turning the heads, making sure that shit gets done always. They're the one that they're the ones that execute things and make shit, make sure that shit gets done. Right. Um, and so, without like share my, I have my father, but he wasn't a great presence growing up necessarily in the household. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would always be there financially, but the one who would t- be taking care of us is my mother. Yeah. Um, and coming here she also like cultivated her own network of like really strong women really strong central american women um so i just it, it's just so natural to me grow, growing up with with this i gotta get shit done for myself mentality um because that's what i saw them do without the help of the men in their lives right 
And it'd always be women with like large families. And so they had to do what they had to do so by any means necessary. Um, and so I've always just kind of carried that with me. Right. Um, yeah. Very so- independent. Yeah. Very independent. I don't take no for an answer because <laughs> if there's a will, there is a way. Yeah. My I- trajectory in my career has, has definitely been an ode to that. Yeah. A testament to that for like sure. Fighting against the people. Sorry. Like fighting against the people. Fighting against the people, voicing mm-hmm. my opinions, even when they make a room very clearly uncomfortable. Right. Um just and just honestly, just being me even makes people uncomfortable. You know, there I feel like a lot of people tend to be reserved in this in this industry. Yeah. Or they want to act like super uppity, something that they're not. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to be anything but ap- unapologetically myself. Um, yeah. I think that, like, that's extremely important, too, because a lot of what I think the coffee industry shows is it's supposed to be very authentic and transparent. And I think that it should reflect on all levels as much as it's those hard. Are, honestly, those are the two biggest marketing tools that they have. And those are two <laughs> biggest lives at the same time oh really yeah absolutely i feel like uh, a lot of the industry tends to romanticize the labor of Mm. the black and brown people yeah that are the backbone of this industry right exactly (laughs) yeah they just they love to romanticize their labor for for marketing purposes and it's kind of (laughs) sad yeah a lot of people like sadly i haven't had the chance to go to origin like i haven't had the chance to go and meet a lot of these producers and the farmers and the people so like i i can't contribute to that but it seems even then this shit runs in your blood you know oh okay it runs in all our bloods what do you have i feel like at some point our all like all of us are like vipoc like our some our families have like agriculture in our blood for sure Oh, yeah, I can, yeah, yeah, I see exactly what you're talking about now. I was like a little bit like, how do I, how do I resonate with that? But no, I can see exactly what you're saying. It's like essentially just hard work and backbone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and the determination as well that that always runs with us too. Because look at what you're doing now. <laughs> you're determined to highlight certain voices, yeah. and you're doing it now. So that's great. Did you always want to be a part of coffee? Like, was that a part of your journey? Or did you no. have, like, a dream before that? I did. I had several. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to um, do? <laughs> so I went to high school. I went to this vocational school that uh, uh, focused on photography. Um, my senior year, uh, we did, like, a video. Our, our senior year was focused on uh, video production. Uh, so I fell in love with that. I wanted to be like a photojournalist and I wanted to be like an editor slash like getting into sports broadcasting. Oh, that's I really cool. Love, I really love football. Yeah. Um, so I was going to school for um, video production, for film production in general. Yeah. And I've always wanted to just work in a coffee shop. It just seemed chill. Lies. <laughs> it's like everything <laughs> upside down and not chill at all. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> nah, there's nothing like a freaking Saturday morning rush, like to just kick your ass. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, my first job was at this. Uh, now it's a, now it's a chain in New York called uh, Gregory's Coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started working there. Then I started working. I was at Starbucks. For I also have worked at Starbucks, but that was like the unicorn frappuccino era, and I feel like that was like a whole monster. And I was like a tea bitch; like I wouldn't (laughs) touch coffee to save my life. I was like, I exploded. I also hated coffee before I started this part of my world. I was such a tea bitch. I was such a like a matcha bitch. Like I'm like, I want a matcha frappuccino. (laughs) Like I remember in my interview, that's what I asked for. (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, it's really Um, funny. Yeah, but no, it it didn't start that way. I just kind of fell into it. And then I realized that upon talking to my family, oh, my family does have does cultivate coffee. Oh, my mom as a kid used to get also sent to go pick coffee cherries as a form of income. So I'm like, oh that's wild. I'm I'm much more tied to this than I actually yeah. thought. And at the time, they had this thing called like uh, I forgot. I think they, I think it was like Coffee Masters. I forgot what it was called. Yeah, but like at Starbucks, the black apron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you go through so like this extensive started, program to be verified yeah, as a coffee it master. Was, it was kind of lit. I wish I still had that workbook. Because <laughs> um, we were like, like, we were turning into like a clover store and shit. Mm-hmm. So they needed someone to go ahead and like lead tastings and have the staff know how to describe like our, our seasonal blends or how to describe our inventory in general and so I kind of stepped into that role and then eventually I got a job at a I started working at specialty shops and yeah and then that's that's how that started I really got into education yeah. um and just doing like a lot of community work and just showing up for people Mm. um and that took a couple of years till i realized what i really want to do was work in green like the importing exporting side yeah um because i somehow it just i feel like i'm i think my my end goal is to ultimately work with like indigenous groups um so i feel like me learning about that side of coffee will be very valuable to me in the future with the long-term dreams that I have. What's on the horizon for you on that? Like, what do you see yourself like eventually wanting to accomplish? Eventually. I mean, that's still up in the air, but I do know I want to be closer to, to working with indigenous groups that Mm -hmm. cultivate coffee and give them the resources that they don't have. Right. A lot of these people who grow coffee don't even get a chance to go ahead and taste their final product. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. You put in all this work, all this labor, you nurture the plants, you take care of them. <laughs> Just for you to really not know where to where that goes. Yeah. Um, and kind of I kind of just want to help them cut out the middleman. Yeah. Um, and to not get fucked over with these prices, not get take, taken advantage of. Right. Um, so even if I can make like a difference in like one indigenous family's life, like that would be more than enough for me. That would be so fulfilling. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it is about the relationships that you make with the people. Yeah. I think that's like one of the main things that attracted me, me to this part of the world is like, I would love to make more relationships with people and like understand what they have to deal with 
and like just be able to learn about it on a real humble level, really. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> and there's like a lot of voices in these coffee producing countries that should be highlighted. Yeah. There are geniuses out, out there and no one knows. Yeah. And hopefully you and will... I cannot talk about yeah. what it takes to cultivate a coffee plant. I mean, just look how long it takes for coffee cherries to start popping out five to seven years. Like, that's wild. I remember I was in Guatemala in 2020 before the world went into flames. And I was working with Joe Catering at the time, and they had this exchange program where you can go to Antigua, go to one of their partners. Uh, the farm was uh, Bella Vista. And this i wish i remembered his name but this older man he was incredible just by looking at the way the trees were shaped he can tell you what kind of uh like cultivar it was what kind of a species it was it was wow. wild i'm like i wish i had those skills like that is crazy to me that's crazy i can only imagine how long like and how much you're around that to be able to just look at it objectively and be like this is this varietal this cultivar yeah he was like this is katura this is katura i was like yo what <laughs> oh my god it's a magician yo. in the works and he was like telling me yeah it's because of the shape and it's because of the way the leaves drew down and all this shit and i was like wow i am so amazed and like those are the type of people i'd love to learn from yeah those are the type of people whose voices i want to hear highlighted yeah, I don't, I'm tired of hearing about these cis white men talking about coffee. Like, okay, girl, you uh, better say it. That's exactly the <laughs> point of this podcast. Is that and it's no, not, but I mean, I'm I'm very particular about who I I like to who I learn from. Yeah, you know, because I feel like we hear the same things just regurgitated and spit out, and it's like the same cis white man or white person at the forefront. Right. Honestly, though. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, what is the majority over the minority, you know? And it's not usually the cis white demographic. No, but they're the we're there the leaders, the thought leaders of this industry. It's kind of yeah. puzzling. Too. It's it's yeah. That's there's like I have only really dipped my foot into the surface of this world. Like I was barista for a really long time. And so, like, the things that I just started, like, encountering, I was just like, well, this is this is interesting. Um, the ignorance is blatant. It's blatant, but it's so, it's, like, boisterous at the same time. It's like, they're very vocal about it. And it's just, okay. Very the, loud and wrong. And yeah. then the minute you speak up, they take it so personal. They, yeah, it's like an extreme attack on themselves rather than what's actually going on. And it's like you got to reflect on that instead right. of focusing on what I'm saying. Projecting outwards. <laughs> I mean, that happened to me at Roaster's Guild, too. Yeah. During the sustainability class. Oh, shit. Um, it was mostly a, f a room full of a white cis men mm -hmm. that were there learning about their um, learning how to. Wanting to be there to learning how to navigate their business better, which is cool, cool. Um, but the sustainability, um, one of the questions that Elena opened up with was uh, what the sustainability mean to you? Right. And everyone's talking about their business and all this shit. And when it comes to me, I'm like, my family's livelihood. 
Right. My dad's side of the family still lives off the land. Yeah. Yeah. This climate is completely changing the way they do things. Like, I remember being there two years ago and my aunt's like, yeah, my, my coffee plants, don't, my coffee and cacao plants don't even grow the way they used to. And I'm like... <laughs> Like that's that's wild that you like she doesn't go out and buy coffee <laughs> right she grows it and 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 harvests herself it's just it's it's wild and so once it came to the breakout groups and me bringing that up again and me just being like you know maybe you guys need to take yourselves stop censoring yourselves at this and just realize that there are people with bigger problems yeah. out here than you learning how to navigate your business. Um, and a couple of men came up to me afterwards asking oh. if I was speaking to them directly because they were offended. <laughs> like, like, this is totally a very generalized term. Oh <laughs> <You> <laughs> and how did then, you respond? Well, I laughed. <laughs> As you should. I laughed because I'm like, what? I'm talking about something very personal to right. me, and you think I'm attacking you? Are right. you kidding me? Um, but me opening up my mouth actually allowed the floor to be opened up to two people who, one person who's a producer and the other person who comes from a producing family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got really emotional in there, really emotional. You can tell it made other people uncomfortable. Um the realities are like you know you guys are expecting this product but we're in a fucking world where coffee might not be a thing in like 20 30 years like yeah you know or might be affects like, more than us it's it's bigger than yeah us. especially the people cultivating exactly. it um and i feel like that's that was just not something that people people are prepared to hear even though those are the realities of this industry right now yeah honestly um, Um, Yeah, but I just, I laughed and I was like, this has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And if you took offense to it, maybe you need to readjust the way you view things. Right. Don't apologize for your voice. Exactly. Um, So there there are multiple voices in in this industry. Why does it only be limited to yours? Yeah. It, it, what an experience it's such a such a funny experience when i get to shake the room in a bowl <laughs> of white men it's hilarious yeah it's it's very interesting how many egos are hurt so easily let them be hurt okay. so let them be hurt because a lot of the times they don't need to watch the way they're saying and they don't realize how easily offended other people can get around them I find it interesting that me and you had a very similar in, like experience in the sustainability class in particular because that was what was your experience essentially the same thing. I mean, there were moments where it got really emotional and someone ended up crying talking about their story and about their journey. Oh my god, same, same. And when I felt for that person. Like I was listening to them, and I'm like, it's so, so. Um, it's just it was just a very emotional experience for her, and she was just being very vulnerable, and everybody was so cold and yeah. just very and that's how I felt too and that's how I felt too yeah. it didn't make me feel comfortable being open and vulnerable about my experiences and majority of the people who were discussing were men and a lot of the time the men that were talking were only talking about oh like I don't understand why people don't want to work 
and people don't want to do this and people don't want to do that. My business isn't doing this. And it's like everybody. Those were exactly the same type of conversations we were having there too. And I was like, can we focus the shift on another perspective? Yeah. First of all, that has nothing to do with sustainability as a concept. Like the actual topic itself wasn't about business management. It was about the product and the people and environmental change and climate so mm-hmm. i was just like where where is this coming from I, and like I almost like we're missing the point of what could be a really good discussion yeah and it's not group therapy like uh, no offense For me, it kind of felt like it was there was this one man who really started like crying yeah about the reality that his old folks have to face right. like both of his parents run a coffee farm in puerto rico mm. and it's not easy to grow coffee in puerto rico yeah. The system doesn't make it easy for them to export their own things. Like it's, it's almost like it's built to make them fail. And he was just so sad about the realities that his Asian parents have to face with him being here in the States and them being alone over there. Yeah. And I just remember it, a couple of people just looking very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. It, it's 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 hilarious that's what i mean about like it is like the biggest marketing scheme is to romanticize these places but like really i feel like no one gives a fuck yeah or they don't give a fuck enough to make a difference because it's a business at the end of the day these people's lives are on at like at stake at the end of the day too like they deserve to be humanized that's why it's important to bring awareness that's what this whole thing that i want it to be is like for people to understand that this is what's going on and i'm never uncomfortable with with being the super loud one at first because i feel like then it it makes other people comfortable enough to want to share or to want to make a difference and that has been like a constant in my career and that's why like i'm not stopping what i'm doing yeah i'm always gonna be loud girl yes even now working in a corporate setting i'm always gonna be loud like yeah honestly i mean like have you ever felt imposter syndrome working in the industry every day of my life yeah every day of my life. right now i'm trying to apply to uh, the rico fellowship and i'm mm-hmm. like what do i write about myself <laughs> yeah it's like how do i sell myself on this i'm like what the hell i'm like what have i done i don't feel like i'm doing enough yeah even though like a couple of even even like i'm saying that now even though a couple of weeks ago my friends were like you know you're the reason why we started like our initiatives and things like that but because of the things you were saying and i'm like ah ah i do make a difference (laughs) in the background in the background but i feel like that's the most important no i don't i don't I don't see that, like, just from, like, the sheer amount of conversation we've had, like, I could see how impactful you could be to the people who are receptive to hearing your voice. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like, there needs to be more people like you. <laughs> <laughs> because what we need isn't someone who's nice and gentle and kind and, like, oh, yeah, and all those great things. But what we need is someone who's, like, a trailblazer and a bulldozer. And it's, like, this is a reality. No sugar coating. This is exactly what the fuck you're getting. And yeah. it's, like learn and bring this shit up so that's that's why i'm like i just feel like me and you are on the same page when it comes to a lot of that kind of clarity that it needs to be brought out and it's like it's not there's nitty-gritty shit in between it 
Absolutely. Uncomfortable conversations are never easy to have. Right. How much longer can we keep brushing shit under the rug? Right. There's not going to be an industry for anyone and for any of us to work to work with. If we don't take care of the people who are cultivating this shit and making sure that they have the resources that they need appropriately and that we're not lowballing them. So I'm really curious on something specific because I feel like you'll have a lot to say on this, but I know what's not talked about are women who are mothers in the industry. Like, how have you seen them treated? And like, how do you feel like they've been included or not included? Maybe my perspective is a little different because if I see a mother, I'm going to nurture her and I'm going to try and help her as much as I can. And so will the people around me. So for me, it's a very nurturing thing, making sure that the mothers are taken care of. Two of the people that I admire the most and that I'm close with in the coffee industry are mothers. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember one... SCA, I think it was in Boston, not this one, but the one before. Um, one of my homegirls, Erica Escalante, right now she's a director of operations for this uh, coffee chain in LA. Um, and she had just given birth to her baby. Lupe must have been maybe just a few months old. And I just remember all of us really coming through for her you're having a baby that you can't leave yet because you know she's still nursing right um and community really pulled up for her in whatever capacity she needed right you need someone to hold a baby for a while meanwhile you go to the bathroom or you need a minute to yourself hey do you need me to pick up anything from target for you are you missing anything like just i think for me it's uh yeah it's just more we're gonna nurture you because we know how hard it is to to be a mom and to to be a mom and not only be a mom but be a kick-ass professional right um so i know that the mothers i know are more often than not being asked hey what can i do for you yeah i know that's not everyone's perspective (laughs) yeah no like I was just curious on your perspective on how you've seen that around you because I personally don't think a lot of women who are mothers get enough representation, let alone enough gratitude for a lot of the work that they're pulling through. Um, So that's why I was curious on your perspective on that too. Yeah. I mean, it's true. A lot of these women in this industry are full blown moms doing what the fuck they got to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's that determination. Hey, I got to take care of my kid. Yeah. And you're not often going to hear a complaint from them because this they have to do what they have to do. But yeah, I, I almost feel sad that not everyone will probably have that same support system that my people tend to have. Yeah. And being nurtured and taken care of and having people check in on them continuously and offer that help. When I was looking into you also, it looked like you had started your own nonprofit, I think. It was caffeinated and melanated. I'm curious to more on what that was for you and how that's going. Uh, so for me, I had it's, it wasn't a nonprofit. It was just me trying to create a safe space mm-hmm. for people of color. Uh, first, it started as I wanted to highlight women only. Yeah. Um, but then I felt like 
men and uh, non-binary people and other people who identify differently needed that space as well. Yeah. Even though, yeah, being BIPOC. Um, and I just wanted to create a safe space for people to kind of just have conversations and meet other coffee professionals. So I ended up throwing like the only time I ever did anything. It got overwhelming after mm-hmm. after <laughs> I did that because a lot of people were reaching out to me and I'm like, ah, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> um, you know, depression is a real thing. So yeah, I know. Um so um I had thrown a mixer and it was a space for people to feel comfortable with people that look like them. Yeah, honestly. Um, so people that were invited or that RSVP'd were anywhere from like baby baristas <laughs> to people in green coffee sales, like, mm-hmm. you know, so that they can. So it's also a chance for younger professionals to see themselves in those shoes. Oh, Hey, I can do that. Yeah. Oh, that's possible for me. How did you get there? Like right. talk to me more about your experience. And it was, it was overall a, a good night, not without its controversy, but <laughs> it was a good night. When in doubt, there's always going to be that. Oh my God. No, because I remember I made the invitation very specific. <laughs> I will not, this is not a space for white people. Of it any kind. Yeah. Okay. I see where and this is I going. need people to be respectful of that because yeah. I'm trying to create a certain space, yes. a certain yeah. comfort. You know? Yeah. Um, and a woman who used to own a coffee shop in the Bronx wanted to thought it was okay to go ahead and try and invite her white husband to this. Uh, <laughs> how did you handle that? that? I was livid <laughs> i can imagine i was livid and i just like that's i just thought like how dare you it's not okay especially if i'm going ahead and being very specific about the type of people that can attend and the kind of people that can't that wouldn't able to that wouldn't be able to attend to that space because i wanted to make it a certain space for a certain demographic even those peers were asking me how can I help and what way can I support you? Right. And that's that's great. Yes, thank you. I know I can't attend, but how can I support you? Which is beautiful to see. It's like people genuinely yeah, caring about. Absolutely. The cause yes. Here. Thank you for for respecting that. Yeah. Like, but not everyone has that that common intuition. Yeah. But it it was nice. It was nice, and hopefully, like I want to start doing more things like that um new york is such a big community but you know it's still oversaturated Uh um with people who are non-bipoc um and i feel like having holding those spaces for people is always important you never know you're never gonna know when someone's gonna need it yeah for sure especially yeah, so like to feel safe within that is a big thing hopefully that's something i'll i'll bring back um i want to mm-hmm. um i feel like all the knowledge that i have gained uh especially this past year is uh stepping into this uh quality control role and getting this taste of what the corporate world is like like that's something i really want to share with my local community um i'm curious to what in specific 
The differences um, you've learned. Sorry? Like you said that you've learned, you've gained a lot of information over the last year working in corporate for quality control. I'm curious to what you yeah. mean by that. No, I mean like learning how to navigate that space, but more so sharing um, like the knowledge that I've, the specific knowledge that I've gained because it's been a huge learning curve going from doing barista events and doing like just being at the front of the house to now being in a really like controlled environment. Like it's wild. Mm. Um, so learning things like eventually I want to do classes on like green grading or people just to learn how to cup. A lot of baby baristas still don't get the opportunity to yeah. do those things, you know? Um, and so eventually like I want to try and bring that to my community um either at a free or a low cost you know sliding mm -hmm. scale whatever makes sense at the time when I'm putting it together but but that's what I mean I just want to I just want to share my knowledge I always want to share my knowledge and my experiences um so that's something I definitely want to do just just sharing like this part of the supply chain that a lot of people I've noticed can't really touch yeah like i didn't think i would i was going to be able to to step into working in green all the opportunities are so limited i think in general that's the consensus of working yeah. in the production industry like it's very yeah. hard to find jobs and be also educated enough to feel confident in the job role you get because when i started roasting just roasting as it is i was like thrown into it after maybe a couple days of just watching how to do it and i was like oh okay we're here and then it started graduating into green buying and then green grading and then just dealing with the sales and dealing with different aspects of it and i was like wow this is a lot of a different ball game that people wouldn't expect that you'd have to navigate through if you don't have yeah. people to help you either you know yeah I had experience in cupping, which is definitely helpful in this role. I don't know jack shit about roasting. I don't know jack shit about green grading. All the all this shit is super intense. Yeah. Um, but I just recently started roasting too. Well, that's why I got sent to Roasters Guild this past year, where I met you. How have you been enjoying roasting? It's crazy. <laughs> it is definitely it's very different. We're also sample roasting on like those old school pro bats. Oh, okay. So I don't have the luxury of having Robster on my computer screen to seeing how oh, everything works. So you're going it's old school. Very old school. Oh shit. <laughs> Which honestly, I I'm glad that this is how I'm learning. Yeah, honestly, you're gonna glad that I have an amazing manager, an amazing teacher on on my side. Her name is Siobhan amazing amazing professional i cannot express my gratitude nearly enough for all the knowledge and patience that they have had for me in, in the past nine months like it's been amazing um just to get to learn from such a kick-ass professional for sure um and i feel like a lot of the women that tend to be in these roles don't get highlighted nearly enough yeah, nearly 100%, 100%. enough. And I know some kick-ass women doing production, yeah. and and doing QC and doing green buying and 
they are so often overlooked in comparison to like their male counterparts doing like shit like education or something like it's wild (laughs) yeah no exactly that's these are people that I want to talk to. <laughs> so these are people like that, like are doing a lot of cool fucking shit that people don't know about. And it's yeah, like, it's not fair at all. I learn something new every day. It's wild. And it's I also wilder. will stand by the fact that I genuinely believe the women in the industry are a lot more passionate about the genuine cause of what it is. For sure. We're a lot more nurturing in nature. Yeah. We see somebody in need, we want to help them. <laughs> yeah. You would want that for all humans, regardless of gender, but sadly it's like... Because I've seen the large gap of inequality in this industry, yeah. I'm always going to lean towards nurturing those like underdogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in my experience, it's mostly been nurturing, uplifting women and non-binary people of color. Same. I think I've always yeah. been and stand for doing that throughout the course of my life just always being in the mental space of speak for the people that can't speak for themselves you also never know who you're gonna inspire i remember there was a time i did a panel wow i forget i did panels but i did a panel <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh bitch <laughs> talking about imposter syndrome i'm like oh no, <laughs> no. <laughs> i did do something <laughs> 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 but uh there was this one year i forgot i had someone came up to me i was on a panel right uh but someone came up to me um in portland um when michelle was michelle johnson was doing black coffee uh like those black coffee panels um and someone came up to me and they were like, you inspired me from from like a small panel in New York to come and volunteer and really put myself out here. I love that. And, so and that shit moved me into tears because oh. I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, you never know who's listening to you. And that's the beauty of of, of being loud in, in these spaces. I like how much you keep reiterating that word throughout the course of this time, because that's essentially what this what my whole message is about is like you're talking about how you're very loud and i'm like girl if you saw me outside of this space i'm such a loud you hear my laugh from miles away same, you know it's me i'm same, being loud literally same all being my loud, friends verbally. know me to be the most obnoxious loud cackling bitch walking the streets same, same. <laughs> and i was like I just love my loud people. Like, it's just, <laughs> I love it. Just that energy. Just need that energy always. Yeah. Because even, like, walking the floor in EXO, people are so, like, uppity. Like, yo, chill. <laughs> <laughs> What's really interesting is, like, you touched on how that panel brought a lot of inspiration. How would you give people who are interested in, like, quality control roasting or just in general like that coffee production aspect like what advice would you give those people who are interested in wanting to be a part of it to go ahead and talk to the people who are in those positions right yeah i feel like that's a, that's a, how essentially i got an interest in it mm-hmm. is just picking the brains of the people who are doing it and you would be surprised at how many people are actually willing to go ahead and hold that space for you and want to share their information because when you're in these spaces, 
you're often alone roasting, you're often alone cupping, you're often alone doing all these things. You kind of don't really think about if anyone else wants to learn, you know? Um, but It kind of is like a very isolating experience. No, it absolutely is. I went, I went from, God, so I was doing events before this, doing barista events at different places. And so I went from being on my toes, MacGyvering shit, really being in a sea full of people at all times to literally just being in a lab with one or other person, very quiet. It's an adjustment. It's an adjustment. Yeah, I'm the loudest person in that fucking office. (laughs) (laughs) I am the loudest person in that office. Uh, I think it took me a while because... Like, I would consider myself very extroverted, and working in the coffee industry, it's so communal, and it's so, like, it's a lot like the service industry, honestly. Like, you become so close with the people that you're constantly, like, in the shits and the weeds with, you know? And then to go from that to, okay, when you need to navigate problem solving, you have to really figure it out on your own. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I would, yeah, but I would just really give them the advice of talking to the people in those positions. Um, and one of the other reasons why I threw that mixer for caffeinated melanated is because a lot of people don't have access to that. They're not comfortable with people like that Yeah, uh, to go ahead and, and pick those brains. It can be quite intimidating. Um, yeah. But that's also why I want to try and bring that type of like education to my community to go ahead and just give them a taste of what that is in case that's something they want to do in case that inspires them if anything you know? it'll definitely just bring a sense of community which i think everybody always that's, all, wants that's to what be i'm all about of. yeah both, exactly both locally and and in my industry and i'm very passionate about the people very passionate yeah because even i locally the people that i run with here in the bronx Shout out to the Bronx. (laughs) (laughs) We do this thing up here where we go, (laughs) yeah. It's like a Batman signal, you know? That's how you know you're from uptown. But the people that I run with up here are very active. They're activists in their local community and for the people. Always running mutual aid. I will never forget like how much community pulled through for me and my family. We had went through this unfortunate uh, fire that took out everything in my mom's apartment. And I will never forget how much community pulled through for us, both locally and industry wise. Yeah. And it's, that wouldn't have happened if, if honestly me not being so loud within, within both both of my communities, but the people that I tend to run with here are are so passionate about people's well beings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like if if you don't have it today, I have it today. Like everyone just kind of looks out for each other. Um, it's really interesting. I think that like this industry is it's gate kept. So I like I genuinely believe it. it is really hard to get into this part of the world. But once you're in. It's it's like adopting into another family when you meet your crew and you meet your people and just like all together, it creates a sense of I'm the second family you got. 
I would agree. I would agree. A very weird eclectic family. <laughs> yeah, everybody's very different. And it was really interesting going to the the roasters retreat too because that was like my first time being integrated into the the industry and like the women mm. just are so inspiring to me. Yeah, that she's the roasters a uh, little get together was pretty neat. That was that was lit. It's it's so nice to see for me, Rosa's Guild, for a part of it was bittersweet to see the lack of people from coffee producing countries, but it was also inspiring to see how much more women and non women identifying people were there yeah. this year. That was nice to see. That was really nice to see. Like, I know that- I, I didn't expect the room to be so filled. Yeah. I know that you like creeping on your Instagram. I know that you came back from because <laughs> that's how I find my information. But I know that you came back from the USCC championship prelims. Mm-hmm. And you met some really cool people. You met somebody I actually mutually also know and love oh, wholeheartedly. <laughs> like I haven't talked to her much as I'd love to. Macarena. Oh, my Lord. It was love at first sight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wow. If she listens to this, that's great because I would love to also have her on here. But I loved it was her. Love at first sight. We're like, oh, we're the same type of crazy. I see it. Yeah. Crazy and passionate, you know? Mm-hmm. Crazy and passionate. How was your um, experience with that? So I've been judging for a long time. Uh, mostly doing barista. Um, this is my first year doing uh, brewers. Go team slurp. Um, and. <laughs> It was such a rewarding experience now working in QC and really getting to apply all the skills that I use on a daily basis over a course of a very intense three days. What are, like it was it was so rewarding and so reassuring. So what happens through those three days? So on the first day, you're doing basically a full day of calibration. Eight hours of tasting coffee nonstop. Oh, Lord. Yep. <laughs> uh, on top of the breakdown of what they expect from the judges in terms of like scoring, um, breaking down the rules. Um, and what I love is that this this is my first time doing brewers and all the head judges were women. Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, wow, I want to be y'all when I grow up. Hello. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and then the next two days are broken up into you're either you're either judging compulsory, so people are brewing the same coffee in different ways. So that's also we're doing QC kind of helps. Um, there'll be oftentimes where you're tasting the same quality of coffee, and you have to make sure you pick up the defects. You're you're just you're just tasting it as as you go. Right. Um, it's wild how how much a coffee can change per brewery method. Yeah. Um, and so you're one team is broken up into that. So you're doing compulsory and the judges sent all day, or you are uh, judging the competitors and their performances. Um. So. Um, I remember the first day I was doing compulsory for the majority of the day, and then the next day. 
I kind of, I kind of got to be like back and forth mm-hmm. between judging performances and um, doing compulsory, which is cool. I think I prefer the judging compulsory. It's, it's right. It's a it's in a space that I'm much more comfortable in, especially with what I do to day to day. Um, but I think volunteering judging has really also allowed me to get to know so many different people. And I will never stress it. Like if you have the means to go ahead and volunteer for these things, do it. Yeah, Absolutely do it. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know who's going to be like your, your future partner in a business venture or someone that can connect you to a dream that you have. Right. Or someone who's going to inspire you because of their story. You, you just you really never know. Um, but I feel like that that's how I started really getting to know people was uh, through volunteering. I remember I volunteered at my first expo in Atlanta, I think 2016. And that was that really opened up a lot of doors for me in terms of networking. So like if you if you have the means to do it, those things are not easy because again it's a volunteer thing um but i would just that's how i would throw myself and it, it not only is a educational opportunity for you but it's a networking opportunity right. yeah and i feel like a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these industry events even though the sea is the name behind it it's the people volunteering mm-hmm. to organize these things they're the ones responsible for making sure that these things are running smoothly. Right. Not the SEA itself. <laughs> yeah. It's the community organizing behind it. And I think that honestly, can be an analogy. Shout out for, to the people organizing all these things. I think that can be an analogy for a lot of the coffee industry. Oh, for sure. For sure. Have you had an extremely memorable experience with anyone in particular that's created like a very big inspiration as to why you're still doing this? Everyone I meet. I feel like there is no, no one particular experience. Everything, everything has led me to where I am now. And that wouldn't, it is just not one person. It's the same type of passionate people in this industry that make me want to keep going, you know? Yeah. The same type of passionate people. Sorry? Emphasis on the word passionate. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I feel like, uh, no, no, there is no, there is no one particular experience. There have been definitely people who I have been blown away with, but there's no one particular people. And it's mostly women that I'm like inspired by. It's wild. I remember... I had gotten sent to one roaster skill before and that's when I kind of started discovering like green is when I want to go into mm-hmm. and Vava gave an absolutely mind-blowing perspective on women producers in Kenya. I'm like, ah, these are the stories I want to see being told, you know, mm. to seeing Dulce Barrera. She is a, she does QC for Bellavista um, in Antigua, in Guatemala. This woman was like a cup tasters champion three years in a row in Guatemala and went to world one yeah. year and placed third. Like, wow. these are the people I want to learn from. 
my my friends like Erica Escalante, a mother of two, kick-ass director of operations. Yeah. Jenna Podaca of Mother Tongue Coffee. Like she was running the show for West Coast production for Blue Bottle and now she has her own brand. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh another woman that I absolutely adore is uh Carla Quinones from Puerto Rico, owner of Cafe Comunion. She's opening her own coffee educational school in Puerto Rico. Like, come on. Yeah. Doing big things. Yeah. But I, the list goes on, man. The list the list goes on. There's so many people that I can absolutely highlight and talk about. But at the end of the day, all of their passion and determination is what keeps me going. Like, yeah, if it's not for us opening the doors for other people, then what? Just got to keep showing up for for community to make sure that they, when they see people like us, they see them, they see themselves in us just Oof. in the way that we've seen Oof. the limited amount of women that we came in this, this industry looking up to, like, we just need to keep expanding on that. You know, I love that. Damn. You said that real good. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, that took me. Holy shit. There's so much out of this conversation we've been having that I'm like, Damn, this girl really is inspiring. You're really, you just have a good way with words. And there's such a power and emphasis with what you have to say that it demands attention. Oh. <laughs> She's like, how do I take this? Thank you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess it comes off that way, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, I've never, I was never raised to be quiet. If I see something, I say something. Yeah. It's, this I, is I just so, it's so natural for me <laughs> that I can't, that I can't for often forget that it, it can't motivate other people and that when they see me, they see themselves too. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful thing. And to be constantly aware of that is also, it's a great model to have going forward with whatever your brand is that you create, whether it's community-based, whether it's activist-based, whether it's just in general your own way of life. It's a really good attitude to have is to keep in mind the people that are watching you. Oh, for sure. For sure. And also being aware that people make mistakes too. Mm -hmm. And holding that grace for them too. This is all, we're all constantly learning. No one has the answers. Right. Well, people do have perspective, very insightful perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I relate to a lot of the things that you're talking about. <laughs> like, honestly, yeah, I'm, like, I'm not the only person who would definitely agree with that, too. There's a lot of people that would probably be like, I agree with a lot of the things that you're saying. Is there a specific, you know, do you have like a specific mantra or something that you go by that helps you get through shit? It doesn't have to be in English if it's easier to say it in Spanish or whatever. No, I think the way I often make my decisions, it's uh, it's if, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Like, I feel like that's when I'm at a crossroads for things like that is often what I resort to. Do I feel passionate enough to be like, hell yeah. Yeah. No, it's a no. <laughs> oh, shit. That's a, that's a really good way to have an attitude whether you're, it's it's essentially i'm interpreting that as 
you, you're either all in or not at all. Yeah, the life's too short. Like you can, if, if the, also the pros weigh out the cons, go for it. Yeah. But I feel like I, I am, I am a. You see me here now, very cool, calm, and collected. I'm very much an overthinker, mm-hmm. and I suffer from anxiety, um, like PTSD related anxiety, and it's yeah. you know it's it's hard for me to often make decisions. So that is definitely something I resort to. Is yeah. it make your blood boil? Are you passionate about it? Mm-hmm. No, you're second guessing it. It's not for you. Yeah, and that's okay because you don't need to take every opportunity that comes your way. You need to start weighing out what's for you, really. Right. I know that we talked about a huge plethora of things, but we really haven't gotten into like what it is you exactly do, like as quality like control. Uh, so uh, I am a quality control assistant for Wolf Cafe slash Genuine Origin. Uh, they're both uh, exporting companies, um, but they have like their own um, operations, kind of like all over the world. Like mm-hmm. it's well, uh, Wolf Cafe is one of the older uh, trading companies in the world. Yeah. Um, so what I do on a day to day basis is. Um, mostly cupping, tasting coffee, evaluating it. Um, um, I've recently taken, taken on some roasting responsibilities. So I'm still like, I'm still learning. I'm still in my learning phase. Um, when we get a coffee that let's say has been rejected multiple times, or if the trader, wants us to inspect it we do like green grading for them so we're basically looking for like defects looking to see if there are any there's like uh like first defects and then secondary ones so let's say a a bean can have like up to an x amount of like insect holes in there (laughs) before it's like absolutely rolled as like a first defect or secondary um and the huge learning curve for me was data entry, <laughs> sitting at a desk and processing contracts, uh, both pre-shipments, which means that they are still at origin and we are getting a sample of it before we send it to our client. Um, uh, but it, we are eventually like the first stop of, is this good enough to send to the client? If not, then we really our findings to the farms and be like, Hey, we need a, we need to get this replaced. Um, like this isn't acceptable. We found like a phenol defect or there's a potato defect, like something mm-hmm. really huge. Um, and then we go ahead and process like, um, the arrivals, um, that we get once the coffee's landed. That's what that means. Yeah. Um, and we just we're just in constant communication with the farms about like, hey guys, don't forget to send these. These are the contracts that are due for this month. Hey guys, like, make sure that these shipments are on time. Basically, everything, uh, every this part, every part of this industry is so time sensitive. Mm-hmm. You want the coffee to get here when they when they absolutely need it. Yeah, you know. So it's just making sure that we're on top of the timeline to make sure that the consumer gets its coffee at the end of the day. Yeah. 
<clears throat> so yeah, it's just it's inspecting the quality and making sure that we're running these shipments on time. Basically, what I what I do on a day to day basis. Um, so it's such a huge <laughs> learning curve to what I'm used to. Yeah, um, I would say that's completely different than what you were doing before. Yeah, it's a complete <laughs> one eighty. A complete one eighty. I miss I miss the aspect of like talking to so many different people a day, but this this is also nice to be in a, a quieter environment and I have to commute um to like Westchester County. So it's like a complete 180 and uh traveling into the city and you never know when your train is coming and it's so crazy all the time. You never know what your commute is like. And now traveling <laughs> to Westchester, it's like Oh, I have a train at this time. Everything is much more like there is much more of a schedule now. And I would say that it honestly came in clutch for me. Yeah. <laughs> at the, at this point in my life, right. I was uh, you know, you when you're doing barista things, you you can be overworked and burnt out so fast. Yep. And this gives me definitely a a place to kind of pace myself out, but also be on top of things the way they need to be. Right. There's just much more of, there, there's much more structure for me in, in doing this now, which is a nice change. I have never gotten to experience financial stability until now. Yeah. That's sort of like always been like a root problem in the coffee industry is. Oh, for sure. People aren't paid enough. (laughs) Not getting paid enough. Wage stuff. Yeah. People thinking you don't deserve tips. Yeah. Have you had any run-ins with that? Oh my God. Yes. I work in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. And even in different neighborhoods, you'll see the type of people it's just it's it's wild it's it's wild so it's definitely a character building job (laughs) i'm curious because of like your mentality like if you were to want to create change within the industry targeting specifically a lot of the demographic we've been talking about women uh, people of color the queer community how how would you go about it I think I would still be doing the same shit I'm doing now. Just being loud in these spaces. Mm -hmm. Occupy these fucking spaces. Even when you don't feel like you have anything to contribute. You never know who's listening to you. I don't think I don't think I would I would do anything particular besides try to create the space, the safe spaces like I did with caffeinated melanated and just being very loud about what I view that we're lacking. I would still do, I would still do the same shit. There's nothing I would change because if for me, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly here to want to uplift like the underdogs. My voices are not for the corporate world. My voices are for the local world, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's nothing I would, there's nothing else I would, I would do besides try to create more safe spaces. I would just keep being loud. <laughs> I'm glad to see that someone like you is going ahead and pushing forward and doing something like this. First and foremost, you know, 
that's what we want. We want to highlight these voices that you feel deserve to be heard. Because mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Um, um, so for that, I'm proud of you for going oh, ahead and, and doing this <laughs> shit, for sure. Um, and give yourself grace as well, going through this. There's no easy way of doing this. So remember to give yourself some grace. Um, any last thoughts? Where can people find you? What's like the Bronx? <laughs> She's like, go to New York. <laughs> now I've been around. I try to attend uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, coffee related um, shows. So you'll definitely find me at like prelims to train judge. Definitely find me on the expo floor. Um, but. You can plug yeah, your I social just, media. I just be around. I just be everywhere all the time. It don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> and he, <laughs> you can always reach out to me on the internet or <laughs> or you'll just hear my laugh really loud somewhere on some Echoing floor. in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um just I just want everyone to go for it. <laughs> go you for know, it. Bailey said something great on the episode that she was on. She said something and I kinda like have found myself saying this all the time. It's like just fuck around and find out. Honestly, just fuck around. And I find was gonna out. say fuck it. Yeah, honestly, find out. Fuck it. Yeah, you, you just gotta throw yourself in the fire sometimes. Just light that fire in your ass and fuck it. Just go. Just say fuck it. Yeah. There, there, because that's how the majority of us have gotten into the positions that we are. We're like, there's no space for us. We're gonna fucking create it. Bye. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just be around. You'll you'll see me. <laughs> just wondering. You'll see me. Well, I really loved talking to you. Oh, <laughs> <Aww>, likewise. <laughs> like, thank you for having me on here. <laughs> I realized I didn't talk much, but I guess that's the point of this. But like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there were so many times I'm like, oh shit, there's so much I wanna like to have dialogue and talk back and forth and it's like it sucks that you live all the way in the fucking Bronx cause bitch I fucking like <laughs> one we probably would have so much fun together and then two <laughs> like as a person like I really respect you and I really respect a lot of the shit that you're creating for yourself and a lot of the space that you're creating for other people yeah we gotta create our own lanes you know we have yeah. to we yeah. have to sometimes it, you know you don't find a lane for yourself create that shit create it and i literally literally the two people that started this journey for me was bailey from the the retreat but mm-hmm. also macarena yeah her specifically was like if there's anyone that i would love to just sit and like learn about her life and have her to just sit and talk about some of the shit that are issues in the industry I bet she's got so much shit to say. And I just love her spirit. But you see, that's why I think it's so important to highlight people from coffee producing countries who are exactly. there. Exactly. Exactly. Give you a whole different perspective 100%. of what she does really like at that side of the supply chain. Yeah. And I think for me, that's what matters to me. Like, yeah. I think everybody has an idea of how baristas work, a lot of the industry in that forefront. But what I care about are the people that are back there doing the work. The backbones. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. The backbones of this industry, for sure. I, I, I'm i 100% behind that. And that is always an idea that needs to be explored. I don't feel like there are enough of those people being highlighted. 
and their stories being told. And so that's something that I also, you know, I also want to do. Right. Just start a podcast and start talking to people. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, if you started a podcast, I'd listen to it, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, one day I'll I'll find a way to to kind of crossbreed my love for film production and my love for coffee. You know, one one day. Hey, it'll it'll come full circle right there. I know. You You look at it and you'll be like, holy shit. It's been a very heavy uh, thing on my mind is how do I combine these two things I'm so super passionate about. So let's see. I'm supportive of whatever you create. (laughs) I just feel like I'd have so much fun watching you just be in your element. (laughs) Imagine I just go start taking people to cantinas and interview them on some Anthony Bourdain shit. Do it! (laughs) No, I'm totally here for that. Do it! I fucking love his content, one. R.I.P. to that legend. But two... Bitch, that would bring such a fresh atmosphere, and that's a lot more authentic when people are like in a relaxed state to be able to just like, oh, for express sure. a lot of that shit. Because, girl, I was going to say, if you lived close to me, I'd be like, let's get drinks. Let's get some food. <laughs> and let's talk. Who would be? Oh, Lord, this episode would have been something else. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, for me, if we're talking like full scale, like, projection of what i would love to be doing i would love to be doing essentially something similar to that mm-hmm. but in person with people yeah i'm much more of a visual person plus it's like you can really feel energy easier when you're with people and like i just think it comes off a lot more easy to connect that way but that and we we would have larger audiences because we have different grasps on different languages and different cultures like you more you than know? I do. I think the Arabic community is really underrepresented in the coffee industry as well. But, that, but that's what I'm saying. You you have that at your disposal as well. You have the leeway into tapping into that community. They're they're going to be more much more comfortable with you having someone they relate to. I think I haven't really met many Arabic people in the industry. To be quite you gotta honest, seek them, baby. Seek them. When I tell you, it, yeah, it's really a will, depressing. A way. Yeah. There's a specific person that also inspired my journey with this, and he has created a huge um, a huge building block for Yemen specifically. I remember, like I said this at the, the retreat, that like Yemen is obviously the, I think, one of the only Arabic regions that create, that make coffee. Yeah, so it's it right like, next to Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. So it's like for me, like when I started learning more about that in the industry, I was like, holy shit, this is so... Like, no one knows a lot about Yemeni coffee. No. It's so underdeveloped there. And it's there. some of the best. It's literally some I of the best. I absolutely love Yemeni coffee. Beautiful tasting coffees from Yemen. Yeah. And it's like, there is a specific person who I would also love to, like, interview one day just to sit and pick his brain. I've read his book. I follow him on Instagram and everything. And he's made the Port of Mocha company. He's made Mocha Institute based in Yemen. Mm-hmm. and he he just like has made this huge he just like started his own like actual farming producing i might have a contact for you for that actually <laughs> his name is mukhtar um and like, uh someone i know named akash is working for that company mm-hmm. recently That's wild. So. but like yeah. like yeah girl like i have a lot of aspirations in terms of like that's where my I thing want. too is is being a bridge for people 
I may know people you don't. You know what I'm saying? Hundred percent. I hundred percent believe that you know that's, ten that's times definitely more a people. thing for me in this industry is being a bridge, for sure, between cultures for people in general. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times people are like, yo, but I'm looking for this for this type of person. I got you. Mm. My Rolodex is huge. And that comes from networking, like at, and volunteering at all these events. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So be, like, be a bridge too, bitch. Be a bridge. Girl, if I had context, I would. I just started this industry literally last year in May. I've only been doing this for a year. And look at you. Look at you already. Uh-uh, We're not doing that. What do you mean? Look at me already. already. I'm not doing no, nothing. I'm not downplaying nothing here. Because a lot of people, <laughs> even for me, I've been in this industry for what 13 years, and I haven't had the balls to do something like this. So. Girl, your your voice is loud enough to not need a fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't need it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I I hope that everything happens the way it does and eventually mm-hmm. like, i really would have loved to go to expo this year but i don't know if i can make it out that way i i love this industry but so much of it is so inaccessible inaccessible and extremely expensive yeah but that, that that's what i mean about inaccessible it's the, the costs are definitely tied in there too yeah the cost and and then the the thought of navigating these predominantly white spaces is very overwhelming for people too I think that's like where you come from with that men- mental space of being loud would already create like a sense of acceptance. Because in cultural standards, being loud is such a normality. Like Arabic people are loud. So when I'm I see from a, New York, there's nothing but noises here. You gotta be loud. <laughs> Someone walking slow in front of you, you'll get the fuck out the way. Like, come right. on. St. Central Park. Move. Yeah, that yeah, growing up here has definitely aided aided into into that as well, and being comfortable in these fucking spaces. Yeah, never go to the Midwest. See I don't the- plan to. What is there out there for me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, girl, I'm not judging you. I'm not judging. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't. I don't see myself going out there just because I want to. <laughs> Yeah, no. I asked my mom when she immigrated here. I was like, "Why did you choose this state?" Of Ohio. Wait, where do you live? Ohio, girl. Ohio. Oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, funny. I can see. I can see that you. Do you? Is there a big um, Arabic community where where you're at? Or no? No. <laughs> I mean, like certain parts of the state. Like the bigger cities, like the, obviously we have the three, the Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. They're all the three C's. Mm. And within those cities, there's obviously Arabic populations. But no, Ohio's definitely a Midwest state of not being diverse or understanding mm. of diversity or okay. obviously inclusive within that. And it's kind of like it's growing, but it's still underlying of that message of very cis white Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, because I know like my family has moved to like certain parts, certain parts of the states, but they go to where there's like a big Salvadorian community. And so it, it, it might be a little different for them, you know. 
That's immigrating fine. to the states and being a first generation kid is not fucking easy you never feel like you are and me i never feel like i'm salvadorian enough Girl. i don't feel like when i tell I you some myself of, american but i you know when i tell you some of my closest friends are first generation immigrants because there's it's such a oh, hard same. it's such a hard concept to teach people it's such a hard concept to be empathized with because i grew up biculturally of being american and then being arab and growing up yeah. muslim and then growing up in america and i felt like i could never identify with both of those and then living in the and Midwest and being a brown girl, girl, yeah. living in the Midwest and being a brown girl and all of these different attributes, it's a constant like level of identity crisis. And that's why we need to create our own lanes. I will say I've been blessed with growing up through the community, the diverse community I grew up with for mm-hmm. sure. But it's not it's not everyone's case. Yeah, it's OK. You're, you'll create your own community now. Hopefully. Now, hopefully you're doing it. Shh. <laughs> I wish everybody didn't live all the way across the goddamn world for me to be able to find my community. I feel the same way, but that's why I love going to Expo because then I get to see my favorite people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I hate speaking English all the time. It gets annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, if I could speak Spanish. It's a lot more similar to Arabic than you think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I honestly, when I was learning Spanish in school, I know that doesn't really accumulate to a lot of Spanish spoken in real life, but I did great in that class. Change that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Be the change you want to see, bitch. Change that shit. (laughs) You want to be multicultural? Learn a different language. I know a different language. You know what I'm saying? Another language. (laughs) Well, I taught myself Korean. You know how unstoppable you'd be? (laughs) Girl, I taught myself a different language. I taught myself a different culture. I went to Korea for a month and was there on my own. So it's like, to an extent, I I see what you're saying. But All I know about Korea is uh, tteokbokki and fucking bibimbap. (laughs) That's some good food, though. That's some good snack food. I might just make myself some bibimbap tonight. Okay. She said, give me the rice bowl. Yeah, I have some (laughs) some steak marinating in my fridge. I want to be out. Munch, munch. Thank you for being present (laughs) and engaged in being here and giving me your time. I loved talking to you. I really hope I see you in the future at some point. We'll make it happen. Um, Because you're just a really fucking cool person. Oh, likewise. You're so sweet. Thank you so much. Yes. For having me, for thinking of me. Thank you, for sure. Yes, ma'am. This this won't be the last time. It better not be the last time. (laughs) I'm going to be mad. I'm like, that sounds like a threat. Bet. (laughs) Because soon you'll hear me in the sky being like, where the fuck this bitch at? This loud ass bitch, where's she at? (laughs) I'll be there waiting with open arms. (laughs) 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 but don't be a stranger you have me on no 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 that's it we got this bond for life don't worry about it (laughs) you signed up for that you it's it's on it's on audio you signed up for that shit (laughs) okay (laughs) well you have a good night thank you for giving me time and i can't wait to see you talk to you again soon all right talk to you soon Bye. Bye. bye Oh my god, what a time! I love her!
my god what a fucking episode so much shit was discussed so many different layers it was it was a fucking time this girl is a firecracker man man i think a lot of this episode was respecting and honoring your roots and and highlighting not just that romantic aspect of oh this comes from a very different land of different people but it's about the people and the nitty-gritty shit that goes into that work and the labor and it's not always a beautiful scenic romantic interpretation of coffee coffee has a lot more to it that a lot of people don't understand and i think a lot of what she was expressing is that that frustration people don't understand what's going on the farmers and the producers they don't get highlighted their stories the the amount of dedication to the work it's crazy and she's fiercely passionate about it like you can tell even when she's not a like her full 100% loud self like it tells and it shows in her voice and the way that she she speaks about the causes that she's really passionate about and i think that just goes all the way back to her heritage and her roots to her family lineage and how involved she's always been in this industry even when she wasn't and that's the beauty about this industry there's so many layers beautiful soul beautiful person vibrant colorful i love caffeinated melanated especially for what she wants it to be at the end of the day this is just a podcast to talk about things but also to highlight like she highlighted some amazing women and what they were doing and their causes and what they've created and what they've dealt with and a lot of their workload and it's just what this is all about it reinforces a lot of the main cause of why i created this 